0: I'd say that by now we are all fairly clear that depression impacts the lives of many people. What we are often less clear about is how to think about depression, how to care for ourselves if we are depressed, and what to do if someone around us is depressed. Today's guest is here to help us answer some of these questions. Hello everyone, my name is Pamela Brewer welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. Today's guest is Dr. Susan Noonan, author of Take Control of Your Depression, Strategies to Help You Feel Better Now. Dr. Noonan holds a medical degree from Tufts University and a master's degree in public health from Harvard University. Dr. Noonan brings both her medical training and her personal experience managing a mood disorder as she talks with us today. Dr. Noonan, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Pamela. Thank you for having me
0: today. And I am just delightful that you have created actually a very readable guide to what depression is, how to deal with it. So let's get started actually from the very beginning. I notice at the beginning of your book, Take Control of Your Depression, there's a comment that says if someone is considering suicide to immediately call a health care provider, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. The concept of suicide often confuses many who think about the concept of depression. Would you say that suicide is very common among those who are depressed?
1: Yes. Um, suicide is a tragic consequence of the thought disturbances in someone who has depression. It affects about 45,000 people per year in this country alone. And it's considered a very um, impulsive act in a troubled person who just sees no way to change his or her very painful circumstances. Their deep emotional pain just exceeds their ability to cope with that pain and should be considered a psychiatric emergency, which is why I say call 911, bring the person to your local emergency department, or call their treatment provider immediately.
0: If someone is not suicidal, could they still be depressed?
1: Oh, yes, of course. Um, We all have ups and downs in our daily life and stressors, and most of the time we can manage them on our own, sometimes with the help of friends and family, but sometimes sometimes those down times can last for two weeks or longer and start to interfere with our life and our ability to function at work or at school or in our social lives. And we begin to have some of the symptoms of depression that really can impact us both emotionally and physically as well. So depression is a very, very common illness. I I noticed that
0: you said a few moments ago that, If someone is depressed and feeling suicidal, one of the things you can do is to take that person to a hospital. If that person is an adult and is refusing to go, what options do you have?
1: Well, that puts you as a concerned family member or friend in a very difficult position. But if someone is suicidal, they're not thinking clearly and should not be held responsible for their decisions and judgments. So if they really are suicidal, truly consider it as an emergency, and go ahead and call 911 anyway. If they refuse to go, you really need to care for them um, and force the issue.
0: we so far um we've been using the term depression but haven't really defined what depression can actually look like and of course there are ranges can you give us a thumbnail sketch of what depression actually looks like
1: oh certainly um officially according to the the standard definition that appears in the psychiatric manual called the DSM5 you need to have five of the following 11 symptoms to make the diagnosis, and those include a range of both emotional and physical symptoms that include feeling sad or depressed or irritable, uh, losing pleasure or interest in the activities we used to enjoy, changes in our sleep, either too much, too little, or fragmented sleep, um, and unintentional weight loss or gain without trying to. Loss of energy, just feeling like we can't get out of bed or can't get off the couch. Uh, Trouble with thinking and concentrating and focusing so that we can't even watch a silly sitcom on TV or read uh, uh, a magazine article or a book. Uh, Feeling physically restless Or the reverse, feeling physically slowed down like you're walking through molasses or there's an elephant sitting on your shoulders. And feeling worthless, hopeless, guilty about something. And lastly, thoughts of death or suicide. In men, there can be other issues such as angry outbursts, um, feeling workaholics, um, and high-risk-taking behaviors like gambling or Um, fast-driving, drinking, excessive sexual behavior in addition.
0: So it's interesting that some of the behaviors that could be indicative of depression in men are very often celebrated um, in men. So it gets to be a challenge.
1: It does. They can make them feel a little macho. Um, But in fact, they can be signs of depression. The Um, the, The signs and
0: symptoms that you have just described, do they all mean depression or is there ever a time that they could be indicative of something else? If
1: you take an individual who has five of those symptoms that I laid out that persist for two weeks or longer, then the person needs to be evaluated for depression and it's very, very likely that they do have depression. Now, they could have a bipolar disorder, which is a combination of um, moods that alternate between bipolar depression and bipolar mania, which is an elevated or um, hyper-excitable mood, Um, and that's a cousin to depression. It's also a mood disorder. Um, There are Um, Very, very few other things um, that could um, cause a similar isolated, any of those um, symptoms that I mentioned in isolation. Um, Yes, we we can have a sleep change independent of the other things going on, but you need to put the picture together.
0: One of the things that actually surprised me a bit as I was looking at Take Control of Your Depression, and the subtitle is Strategies to Help You Feel Better Now. And, you know, a lot of times with that kind of a subtitle, you expect to see a list of what you can do, what you can physically do right this minute to sort of start to feel better. You start off with talking about diet. And you say that your diet is a basic part of your mental health routine. Explain that to us.
1: Yes. Well, there are um, a few things that you have control over yourself that do impact your mood and impact your depression. And diet is one of them. You need to nourish your brain with a balanced and healthy diet. Um, when you're uh, not eating properly and if you're eating junk food, for example, or, or too many carbs and your blood sugar is all over the place, then your energy level is sluggish. Perhaps you feel agitated at one moment and your blood sugar drops and then you're feeling very fatigued and sluggish at another moment. And then... um um Your mood, in turn, uh, follows that. Um, So you need to keep a nice, steady balance of a healthy nutrition in order to keep your brain well-nourished and in order to keep your mood stabilized. And that was explained to me very well by a nutritionist who I met with who gave me a nice graph that is in the book that uh, lays that all out in a nice picture that's put in graph form explains things very well and uh, sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words so it kind of lays lays that out there are other things that you can also do um, that you have control over that can help your mood such as getting daily physical exercise um, getting regular sleep seven days a week not trying to catch up on the weekends for staying up late in the, watching TV, in the, for example, in the middle of the week, Susan, keeping a routine and structure to your day.
0: Susan, let me interrupt you. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like to talk more about some of those other things that you can physically do, as you've just begun to describe to us. So stay where you are, folks. We will be right back. My name is Pamela Brewer, and you're listening to Mind Talk. i mm-hmm. you you were talking about the value of physical activity uh, when it comes to managing depression. Does that
1: really work? Yes, it does. Um, It works in several ways. Um, It gives you a purpose. It energizes you. In addition to those feel-good chemicals that we've heard about, the endorphins, when you um, get physical exercise – That also creates another chemical in your brain that helps to grow new um, pathways between your brain cells and helps to grow new brain cells. We never used to think that was possible, but researchers have now learned that that was possible. Now, that's very important because with depression, uh, certain parts of your brain begin to shrink down a little bit. So now we know one way... To reverse that by getting out and going for a nice um, vigorous walk around the block um, that will help you help yourself.
0: That's pretty incredible in a lot of ways and certainly quite encouraging. Although if someone is depressed, it may be hard for them to actually get themselves up and out of the, the home to take that walk around the block.
1: Oh, it's very difficult to do. Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is difficult but not impossible. Sometimes it's helpful to have a walking buddy, somebody who you can feel um, um, understands you and will accompany you on this walk around the block or whatever your activity of choice is. And one reason that's important is because you hold yourself accountable to that other person for showing up. You don't want to let the other person down. So you make a, a, an agreement to go two or three times a week, meet that person at you know, 8 o'clock in the morning or you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on those particular days, and then you actually do it. And I wholeheartedly believe in the phrase, action precedes motivation. You don't have to wait until you feel like doing something to do it. Just do it. And eventually over time, the motivation for doing it will follow. It will eventually come along. But at the beginning, you might not feel so motivated to do it. Just try to do it anyway.
0: One of the things that I very much appreciated uh, about Uh, take control of your depression is the various um, forms and tables and just sort of guidelines that you have that people can follow. Because certainly, as you know, a lot of times when you're depressed, it's really hard to take in dense reading. But if you've got something that's easily laid out, easy to do, and is right there in front of you, sometimes it's a little bit easier.
1: Yes, that was by design. Uh, When I was at my worst, I would try to pick up a book um, to learn more about it. And I had a really hard time myself with focus and concentration. And I would underline and I would highlight and I would take notes and it still wouldn't stick with me. So I thought, well, I have to write a book that will help with that problem because if I had that problem, certainly other people did too. And so um, that was the goal of writing the book, to try and make it um, such that it would be usable for somebody. And the purpose of those worksheets and 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 tables and uh, forms would be to help reinforce the messages that are in the book.
0: Susan, you know, we certainly know that there are many myths about depression. And one of them has long been that if you are depressed, that you, in fact, have some personal failing, um, that there is something missing within you, and that you're really just not going to accomplish much. You're not going to do much. Um, but as we talk to you today, you heard me describe a tiny bit of your bio earlier. Tufts University, Harvard University, a medical practice. That seems to be inconsistent. The ability to do that seems to be inconsistent with some of the myths that people carry with them about the fact and the experience of depression.
1: Yes, you're right in calling them myths. Myths are based upon lack of understanding that people are not educated about the illness. The illness is a biologically based illness. It is not a a personal failure or a character flaw. It's based on a combination of a genetic predisposition in combination with a stressor in your life. That could be a positive or negative event. And you need the perfect storm, the combination of the two of those things coming together to then create an episode of depression. It is not a character flaw or a personal failure. It can happen to just about anybody at any level um, across the board.
0: It does not discriminate in that regard.
1: No, it does not. I've met many, many people along the way of, you know, um, all walks of life, and it does not discriminate.
0: (laughs) One of the things that certainly I've often heard and I imagine you have as well is when someone comes in for an evaluation and evaluation, if they're really lucky, um, it's uh, 45, 50 minutes long. Often it's less than that. And they walk out with a diagnosis of depression and potentially uh, a, a script for medication. And for many folks, the sort of the very understandable response is, wait a minute, I've been dealing with this for X number of months, days, years. I just talked to this complete stranger for a half hour, and all of a sudden
1: I'm depressed. How is it possible? That's a good question. Um, if you're speaking to somebody who is trained to recognize the clinical signs and symptoms, they may be cued into asking you a certain set of questions and may be cued into looking for some physical signs. But that's a very short period of time um, to make the diagnosis. Um, And so, you know, I would question that length of um, time, which is a very short period of time to then um, make such an important diagnosis. Um, Be that as it may, in this society and with our healthcare system, sometimes that's all the um, healthcare provider has to, to go on to at least make an initial working diagnosis and then follow up in another month's time or so to see if whatever recommendations he or she made has been effective. Um, it puts us all in a very difficult position um, you have to go to that appointment um, being ready to be an active participant in that care offer as much information as you can and ask as many questions as you can and be ready to be a um, an active participant in the decision making process. Uh, most people um, I'm not really used to doing that so much, Um, but that's really what will um, give you the best outcome in the long run.
0: Another one of the very, very important uh, issues that you bring up in your book is the fear of getting better. And from the outside looking in, it's if someone is really feeling badly, it can be hard to imagine that they could be
1: afraid to feel better. I know, it seems contradictory, doesn't it? Indeed. But um but it's true. If you've been ill for a long time, not if you've just been ill for a few mo- weeks or a month, but if you've, you know, had, you know, something like a mood disorder, or depression or bipolar disorder for a while. Um there's um, you develop a new reality uh, and kind of a new um, type of comfort zone, so to speak. You know what your days are like and you know what to expect. Um, and then all of a and you forget what, quote unquote, normal or what your past life had actually really been like. So. Anything that brings you back to a healthy state is new and different, and the change for you, and can be surrounded by a deal of uh, anxiety, and can actually be a little bit of an obstacle that you need to be aware of and address. Um, so it's, in fact, for a number of people, um, uh, a little bit of uh, not of a surprise that they might fear um, getting better because they fear the un- what is actually the unknown. Um, they fear something that they don't um, uh, realize um, uh, what it's going
0: to be like. And, you know, it, it's certainly hard to imagine what you can't remember ever having. That's right. That's right. There are so many um very very basic but very important physical things that you talk about in the book you also you also talk about the sort of emotional piece that is so critical. Uh, you talk about the importance of having purpose in life. Why is a sense of purpose so important?
1: Purpose um, is what allows us. get up each day and put one foot in front of the other and gives us meaning to our time, um, to our interactions with others, and to what we do each day. Without purpose, we almost think, well, why bother? What am I doing this for? Why am I going to work or or dealing with this cranky child or volunteering at, at this job? Um, Without understanding, having a sense of understanding, you don't have to have a full understanding, but a sense of understanding of why we are actually doing something. Does it bring us some contentment or pleasure, or sense of satisfaction to be doing whatever it is that we're actually doing? Um, so purpose for all of us, whether we're depressed or not, is something that's quite important. There is a uh, chapter
0: in uh, Take Control of Your Depression entitled Collective Wisdom. We're going to take a break now, but when we come back, I'd just like to share a couple of those pieces and then see if you can tell us how we can get more information about what you're doing and how to be in touch and all of that. So we'll be back in just a moment, folks. Stay where you are. I I'm just going to share a couple of the uh, pieces of wisdom that you have in the back of uh, Take Control of Your Depression as the time flies away from us. One of them is a, quote, practice consciously endorsing yourself. That's probably something you can even write down and put on your mirror or carry in your purse or pocket just to remind yourself of.
1: Mm, yes. A psychologist had... Reminding me of that. And I actually did have a little notebook where I had these things written down in it. Um, we're very good at negative self-talk. So in um, finding, you know, critical things to say about ourselves, like, oh, I'm no good. I'm a loser, blah, blah, blah. So that's pretty um, inaccurate, but pretty universal. And it's not healthy. So um, to just say, I'm pretty good at, and, you know, just fill in the blank, um, um, is um, is, is probably a pretty healthy thing to do.
0: One more that I would like to share, um, which I thought was so incredibly powerful. Uh, Courage doesn't always soar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. What a wonderful, powerful comment.
1: Yeah, I found that on a greeting card. I think um, I know it was just it was just spoke volumes to me. Um, you, you need a lot of courage to face the kind of illness that depression is. Um, many of us just go around in complete silence and don't speak of it to anyone, um, maybe the, to our closest friends or our family, and just quietly struggle. Um, but to just try, try again the next day and try again the next day takes a lot of effort. Um, it takes a lot of effort to get out of bed, to take a shower and brush your teeth, um, to just face another day, even if you think that day is going to feel dark and full of despair. Um, when you're willing to give it a try, um, that takes a lot of courage.
0: Susan tell us how you how we can learn more about what you're doing and learn more about take control of your depression strategies to help you feel better now.
1: I have a website which is susannoonanmd.com and people can write in to me on that website where I have post my blogs and I also blog on Psychology Today, and I'd love to hear from from people to see what they're thinking about and what their questions are. So that's the best way to get in touch with me, and to for them to see what's um, what I'm up to.
0: Sounds great. I would imagine you'll be getting uh, a fair number of questions. Depression is something that, as as we've been saying, and we certainly know, can be so pervasive, uh, and folks often don't feel as though anyone else understands. You clearly do. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan J. Noonan, for joining us today on Mind Talk.
1: Thank you, Pamela. This was great.
0: And, folks, thank you for joining us on this edition of Mind Talk. Mind Talk is brought to you daily as an educational public service and is not intended to replace any work that you may choose to do with a medical, mental health, or other professional. Mind Talk is available on demand by going to MYNDTALK.org. You can also don- download the Mind Talk app from the iTunes or Google Play Store, and it is a free app. MindTalk is produced by Jim Brown and 26 by 2 Communications. And just a reminder, be sure to go to the mindtalk.org homepage, sign up for our weekly free giveaway. Every week, one listener is chosen to receive a book that has been written by a MindTalk guest. So make sure you do that. And remember too, folks, always remember, if it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable. You take care we Thank mm-hmm. you.